0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast, brought to you by the Revenue Marketing Alliance. In today's episode, our podcast host, Yves Chen, is joined by Senior Programme Manager, Dan Gathiro to discuss how not to crush your ABM campaign with or without a pandemic. Welcome to Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. I'm your host, Eve Chen. Today, uh, we're going to talk about ABM, account-based marketing. I think this is a very familiar topic to uh, us revenue marketers. And uh, uh, in fact, it is actually my favorite topic. And for for most of us, ABM is really um, familiar. And many of us uh, um, know that is a very powerful strategic um, uh, marketing approach. Um, to the B2B, uh, sector. However, um, we have all, uh, also seen that to implement the successful ABN program at scale is really not an easy task. So we have seen that in the last, uh, five years or so that, uh, ABN really has been exploding. And, um, one study that I found, um, by ABN Leadership Alliance told us that uh, more than two thirds of the survey uh, respondents reported that the ABM program have uh, already delivered improvements in a short period of time. And with 35% stating that they have seen significant improvements in their revenue results. So um, yeah, how do we actually replicate these type of uh, uh, results through the ABM practice? That is the topic I really like to dive in. And we're really lucky today to bring on the ABM expert um, Dan Dan Kafiro. Uh, so um Dan is a senior program manager at CGA Technology and has an extensive background in B2B marketing and advertising. He has worked with prestigious brands in healthcare and tech, including Intel, Citrix, and FI, and more. So Dan is an expert in account-based marketing and has built two successful. ABM programs from the ground up, um, which we're going to dive into that, and love to learn some of his uh, success uh, secrets. He's committed to empowering his team and ensuring that everyone has a seat at the table. So, welcome, Dan, to our show today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Happy to be here.
0: No, that's great. Um, So, um, Dan, that uh, I'm just going to throw out some of the statistics that I have kind of just gathered and. Um, So, but before actually that, uh, would you mind just, you know, um, uh, introduce a little uh, about yourself a little bit more? And uh, um, so just, just, you know, kind of take our listening to, um, you know, where you are, you know, with your current organization, what is your, you know, key roles and responsibility?
1: Sure. So I've got 10 years experience in digital advertising and marketing. I started on the healthcare side at the agency, working in creative development, switched over into media and strategy. I've got five years down specifically in account based marketing. I started at Transmission, where I worked with some of the clients you mentioned, building one to many, one to few, one to one programs. Um, And then I went in-house, so I was at a startup where I built an ABM program from the ground up. And now I've been at Seagate for almost two years now, where I've developed a global ABM program. And we have a team, our global marketing team is about 50, so I work with tons of different marketers, sales teams, uh, people in analytics, operations, teaching and training them how to use account-based marketing and how to really infuse those strategies into everything from the tactics that ladder up and down across the org the whole idea of how can we do, you know, what we're doing just a little bit smarter, right? how, how do we work smarter, not harder, and really make things work for us? And it's, it's really about co- cross-functional collaboration, so teaching people ABM and then infusing it into everything they do.
0: Gotcha. Fabulous. No, so that's a pretty extensive uh, um, resume there. And yeah. uh, um, so so then that uh, um, also, uh, it sounds like you have a working the ABM capacities, you know, um, at the various level right so at the mm-hmm. moment' Cga is really that global level so mm-hmm. uh with some of your clients um did you deliver some of the program at the field or um just just want to you know explore a little bit more on that so just you know I'll, I'll listen and understand that your expertise and experience where that comes from but some of them are some of our revenue marketer listeners so they, they might be at the field level but um, a lot of them will be at the global head- headquarter level
1: yeah, that's a great question so um when i worked at transmission we did a lot of work with field marketers right so at citrix i worked with the real marketer and some of their sales reps actually directly so we were doing one-to-one programs for citrix they were trying to get more involved with Wells fargo and so we did a one-to-one approach with them we built custom landing pages custom assets we actually found out their cio was really interested in formula one racing so we invited him to an event i actually found out the other day from my old boss that you know, several years later, we learned that the program actually garnered 15 million in revenue and that the sales rep actually, he was, they were so impressed, and they gave him a Tesla.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. What an achievement. What was the time span was that, by the way?
1: The time span? So yeah, the campaign ran probably about one to two quarters. But, and we first initially thought that it had made around two to three million in revenue, but then we just found out the other day that it had gone up to 15 and they wanted to replicate it. You know, at the same time, we're working with their field marketing lead who also ran ABM and we were doing one to few. So we were building custom reports called Challenger reports. And the idea is that you take something like a Forrester report and you an ROI, calc, can you replicate it um, per account? So every account got their own customized calculations in this report. And then we would send it out to all of these reps and they would essentially use them for outbound. So I was also working with an SDR team to do the calls. So we were managing outbound calls, emails, uh, LinkedIn emails. And that was a really great program. That's saw about 10% conversion rate into
0: booked meetings. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like not only just at a strategic level, you know, you're very hands-on as well down to the SDR level, uh, operational level. (laughs) Absolutely,
1: because you need to. I mean, realistically, SDRs and outbound—they're fresh out of college. They don't really understand like the inner workings of a large enterprise. So you need to teach them. And there's a lot of turnover or churn with SDRs or BDRs. So it's constantly training them. It's building a program and process, right? So that you're the newer ones come in and they learn it and they jump right in, right? So I'm constantly trying to get involved. And I would say coming from startups and agency side, like I'm very involved in everything because I want to understand how it works. That way I can then teach others how to do it. You know, like yep. you teach them a man fish versus giving him one and they'll be fed for life.
0: <laughs> no, that that is awesome. So um, yeah, I, in, in my research, you know, in preparation for these discussions, I've found some like, you know, positive uh, um, stats. And earlier, you know, already mentioned from the uh, ABN Leadership Alliance, right, and uh, um, there, so ABN is basically good for revenue growth, you know, <laughs> and your use case just, you know, basically confirmed that, and that was, that was absolutely phenomenal results. Um, and other statistic we know, we saw um, like there is a firm, ITS, uh, MA they specialize in these areas as well. Um, these studies saw so that the 76% of the marketers saw higher RI. And also that the uh, 73% of the marketers say that um, they saw increasing average deal size as well. So not Mm -hmm. just, you know, uh, building the pipeline, but actually expand the share wallet for um, the the, uh, set accounts. Um, Payscale, Payscale, um, they saw in their ABM practice a 500% increase in target account traffic and ROI increase uh, of six times in revenue. Um, through the, uh, when they actually turn all the additional marketing efforts towards ABM. And um, there's just, you know, the stats of the stats, you know, saying that, you know, really ABM is great for um, revenue and in the B2B space. Um, But, you know, um, there's also, on the contrary, um, we saw some like challenges, you know, some of the study like this one life, for example, also done by TSL MA, they were saying that uh two in three ABM programs has actually failed. That's mm-hmm. a huge number, you know. and um oh, okay. I certainly have experienced that and um in my agency and uh, certainly looking forward to um to talk to you about some of the challenges that you experience. Um, when I was, you know, commissioned to deliver ABM programs, um, uh, um, there was immediately, I saw a lot of, uh, challenges and a uh, funny enough, is actually more internal than external challenges. Um, so uh, I want to also ask you one, one basic questions. When did you, when did you actually come across the term ABM, by the way?
1: That's a great question. So I was working at an agency at the time, working with Intel and Lego coding for kids. Uh, We just won our first award for one of our videos. And I was super proud about it because I'd been in creative for so long. Um, And then I got a call from the president of transmission, Ricky Abbott, and he said, hey, I'm starting an agency. I want you to be one of my first hires. I want you to help build out this office with me and I'll teach you everything I know about ABM. And I was like, what's ABM? So then it was too good to be true. You know, like I, I couldn't take, turn down this offer to really, just start an agency from the ground up really and start learning about all things account-based marketing. And- I'm not surprised by some of the stats you just shared, two and three fail, and that's usually, I think, because there's not enough communication and we're not aligning and, and, and setting on goals from the beginning, right? You have to constantly communicate. It's be very transparent and open with your leadership. I mean, wow. when I was at a startup, they wanted to see results in the quarter that we launched, and I was trying to explain to them, it's going to take some time <laughs> to see the result, and so... You know, when everyone's trying so quickly to show results and pivot and optimize and change, you really kind of move far away from where you started. So you just have to make sure you're on the same page. And with ABM, the metrics can really vary depending on the program type, right? It could be upper funnel awareness. It could be reach yeah. of accounts, the penetration of the accounts. It could be, you know, how many are seeing the ads, visiting your site, and then it could be lower funnel. It could be how much are you cross selling upselling them, you know, how are the deal sizes, as you said, increasing over time. You know, what's the revenue? Are you sh- are you showing source or influence uh, pipeline? So there's tons of different metrics, and I think you have to be very open and honest about you know what the goal is. At Seagate, when I started about two years ago, right. We had long- live cloud. And traditionally Seagate is a hard drive. It's a product focused company of um, 60 different hard drives. We've been in the industry for 40 years. It was very rich heritage and we launched the cloud initiative. So that's why I was brought on because we wanted to use ABM to really change the game with outbound because everyone was very used to people coming to us looking for hard drives because data storage, you know, isn't new. It's been around. Everyone needs data storage. So everyone's yeah. used to kind of people coming to us. Whereas now you need to do you know, prospecting outbound, intelligent outbound. You need to do it the right way. You need to do it faster, smarter, increase right. those sizes, right? And bring people in. It's subscription based, right? You have to build that relationship. So, totally different process. And that's why I was brought in about two years ago to help launch Live Cloud.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. even the research component that can take a, um quite a bit of effort and is definitely not the. Uh, one shot, you know, and then just, you know, leave that, put that into your, archive that into your drawer, you know, the the research of those accounts, because your customer are changing all the time as well. So the research, you need to, you know, continuously to step up and fo- follow the, um I guess, the movement of the, com- the companies you're trying to target as well. So mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, it's, it's, that that's, you know, I, I I was smiling as I I know our listener can see us, but I was smiling as you're talking about a shortened approach. And um I definitely see you know uh, quite a number of companies I work with um you know having that kind of mindset. Um ABN is definitely, you know, that's why I prefer to call the ABM program, not ABN campaign, um, because campaign, you know, tend to be like, you know,
1: ABM, you've got the three pillars, digital activation, marketing automation, and sales enablement, right? So what half of my role is campaigns, half of it is platform management, right? And they really, they work, right? right. So we use demand base to build a total addressable market based on our ideal customer profile, right? So we're putting in different parameters, verticals, revenue sizes, building a total addressable or what's now called total relatable market. They change the acronyms every day in the space, but we created that right in demand base. And then we exported that and put that target account list in Tech Target. And then week over week, Tech Target provides us with prospects from those accounts showing high intent across the 160 pubs. And then we push those contacts back into demand base for what's yeah. known as non known contact prioritization. So all those contacts showing intent are now getting prioritized in our ABM campaigns. So
0: right. they're getting.
1: As for ads, we're also pushing intent data from tech target into demand base. Pushed over 15,000 signals to date, which is enhancing our scoring model. So demand base not only has you know personalized digital display targeting our top accounts, but I've created a scoring model which aggregates intent, engagement, responses to campaigns, and scores these accounts. So these accounts are getting scored, and depending where they are in their score, they enter a certain campaign in the funnel. So if you're early stage, you're going to awareness, you're getting ebooks and white papers. If you score a little bit more, then you're going to be in the middle funnel campaign. You're going to get um, webinars and more partner alliance content. And if you score very high, then you're going to get demos. You're going to get um, ROI calculators, right? So the whole idea is you're getting placed in the right campaign at the right time, getting that right message. And then you're going, you're moving down funnel quicker. We're increasing velocity, account movement. We're using um, intelligent prospecting to tailor messaging, right? So all of this is about getting these marketing insights to sales. And week over week, we have a report with over 15 panels. Each panel is a different report. So it's accounts with top engagement, contacts, execs with top engagement, high and trending intent, web traffic, you know, recent visits but no conversions or marketing qualified leads with no sales touches. And the idea is we're getting the insights from marketing straight into the hands of PDT or pipeline development. And then they're going out and they're prospecting diligently. And the idea is that we're shortening the sales cycle because we're giving them tools and technology and training to help them better understand the account, tailor that outreach, book those meetings quicker, get them to sales, hotter accounts, sales faster, you know, versus just spamming via email.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. No, that sounds amazing. Um, I I want to go back to uh, your current roles and uh, with the ABM programs that you developed from the ground up at Seagate. Um, So can you just uh, take us through your journey, um, you know, building out the ABM program there and um, just take our listeners through uh, some of the recent opportunity that you had while putting this program together, um, and you know, if you could, you know, um, share some of the results of the program um, you developed there, that would be great.
1: Sure. So what I just kind of walked through was the outline of what we're currently doing. So the idea is that we started off with a large budget for campaigns, but obviously due to the the environment, right? We've had to reduce in terms of spend. So I've been refocusing a lot of my efforts on making the campaigns really sing for the team, really get them trained and optimized. So, um, in a Q2 look back so last quarter, we saw 38 opportunities that came directly from ABM tools and tech. And 137 leads that were influenced, meaning that they were served our ads. So it was a really great opportunity to show, I think around 20 plus have converted to date. So it's really great to show the team, these accounts, they became booked meetings because of the intent signals, the engagement score that was surfaced, that weekly report that the sales team takes, and they can then stack rank their accounts for outreach. They can use tools like tech target and demand base. We have integrations with outreach and LinkedIn. So... Very simple, instead of the team having to manually input data, they can use click to add, which just duplicates all the information from tech target into our CRM Salesforce. And then with the demand based Chrome extension uh, widget, they can find top engaged contacts at the account and drop them into outreach sequences based on their intent. And you know we're living in the age of intent. And I have to try, I'm preaching the holy book of intent to everyone because you know, We see a lot of these book meetings show intense six to eight months in the past so we're looking back holistically at over the course of a year of these accounts and you'll see an account. you're showing early stage research cloud computing or um, cloud uh, cloud migration cloud services so I know okay they're going into a live cloud outreach sequence. Or they're showing data mobility, data transfer, right? Live mobile. So we know what product sequence to put them in based on the intent they're showing. You know, right. that's six months down. Then they get served some of our ads because they're getting, again, pushed from Tech Target into demand base for known contact prioritization. They get served an ad, they visit the web page. So now I'm connecting all of these dots. We're weaving together a story to then give to the sellers so that they can send one email that really reaches out and makes sense to the person they're talking to versus, hey, I saw you downloaded this ebook, let's chat. More tailored approach. And they understand what product fit works best. They understand more about that person. And it all goes back to that idea of research. What are they searching for? What web pages are they on? You know, what are their interests? I was speaking with the CMO of Sendosa, Karen Steele, and she's really wonderful. And she was explaining to me that a BDR had reached out to her and she normally ignores them, but The BDR had sent her a gift specific, wrote it to her dogs because she's a dog person, and the gift was just to her dogs, and she loved it. She picked it up, was all customized, and now that BDR works at Sendoso, you know. So same thing happened with me. A BDR saw that I I comment on LinkedIn about. Um, a show called Futurama. I used to watch. You know, '90s kid over here. So love, yeah. love all those shows. But he reached out with a quote from one of the characters, and his in the headline of the email. So I was like, "Good work. You did your research. You tailored your outreach." And I responded, yeah. "I'm not going to buy, but you broke through the noise." And that's what we're trying to do, right? We are just flooded and inundated with digital messaging across the board, and it's only getting worse. So how can you break through that noise? And and that's really what ABM seeks to do.
0: Oh wow, no, that's incredible. And just reminded me that um, about five years ago I did the one ABM that that was actually more campaign driven. It wasn't ongoing programs actually for my own agencies. And so um, I just did a ton of research, you know, based on the ideal customer um, that I want to target. And uh, back those days, it was just, you know, as simple as you just email one channel. And uh, because of the research, you know, I had done and I got eight meetings out of 10. And it, it reminded me there's one prospect that um, ended up, I realized that they don't need marketing because they are 100%. They only serve six telco company. That's all. So mm. um, they don't actually have any need for marketing. I asked the CEO, why did you decided to meet me? <laughs> and, uh, and he said that because you know so much about our company, you know, this particular thing, obvious, you know, is an um, insider um, a kind of intelligence, you know, not many people know that we actually don't do marketing, we don't need marketing as well. But because of what you have done, then I have to give you time. By the way, I'm not gonna be the CEO here forever. I might move to somewhere else. I <laughs> so wow. That's that. That's um uh, absolutely interesting. So um now I'm gonna dive into your secret sauce. And so um this sounds incredible. The program you put together, CG. So uh, can you just you know run through some of the success factors? You know um what what really was instrumental to really, you know as a um, as you know in factors that help you to um put this together, this successful program, and also you know just some of the challenges that you you encounter. Sure.
1: So I would say some of the success factors would definitely be just a really strong team and really transparent leadership. I love my team at Seagate. They're so wonderful. We, like, I can tell them anything, whether or not we're struggling or we're doing well. They want to know because they want to help. They want to kind of clear the runway so we can take off. So I have an amazing manager and her manager is also amazing. and, And I just, I really love my team and they just help support me. Even in doing things like this, they're so supportive, which is wonderful. And I haven't always had that. You know, so that's really important to me to have people that believe in you and and champion you. And I think that's important because again, my role is to educate everyone in abm because across the org we want to sell smarter we all want to align with our goal which is driving revenue whether you're in analytics operations uh sales pr i'm working and trying to train everyone i'm sharing all the insights across the org because the idea is we're all one team we all have one common goal we all need to kind of drive towards that same spell together i would say in terms of challenges i think some of the challenges would be just trying to get some people who were very regimented or really focused in one area to think outside the box, right. um, trying to get them, you know, to do things that might be new and see it a rather, um, you know, it's a very established company and most people are rather set in their ways, which is fine. So trying to break them out of that mold and say, let's try this. And then, you know, maybe they won't want to do it right now, but if you're coming back to them and you keep assuaging and mitigating any issues they bring up. Eventually they'll want to do it. So I think the people that kind of put up a roadblock are there to protect you and say, this isn't how we do it. You're doing it this way. We need to do it that way. So you have to make, you have to figure out a way to do it within the parameters that you have, right? Sometimes you have to follow the road that was built for you instead of redesign it. So just say, you know, you have to be open and listen to people who have been at the place for a while and understand how things work so you can help figure out things and fix things that might be broken or enhance things that might need fixing, you know, and Again, the leadership is very open to trying new things, so that's really important because ABM is very new to them. I was the first person to come on and really start doing it, so okay. I had a really cool opportunity to like create this role and build it out for myself and now I'm bringing on um, I'm bringing on my first hire, so we're, I'm super excited to be building out the team and just start growing it across the org and just seeing what we can do when we have, you know, more people practicing um, the strategies and executing the tactics.
0: Gotcha. Right. So what I'm hearing from there was people, right? People used to um, seek um, ingredients to success and yeah. the second one's education. So with the team, are you talking about spe- specifically just marketing team or is it basically cross-functionals? And you put that, you know, your terminology team, is that, you know, um, Seagate as a team or is it just your functional team?
1: It's cross-functional. It's so cross-functional. Yeah, a lot of those teams I mentioned sit in marketing, but it's also checking in with sales, right? Checking in with their SDRs, training them, helping them yeah. understand what we're doing. I report out month over month, all the meetings that we help book and who they're assigned to in the sales org. So people are aware of what's going on. I think yep. one other thing that's important is the vendors you work with and the relationships you build, you know, so the platforms are key to executing my programs because I'm a team of one really when it comes to ABM. Right. So for me. I lean on my vendor partners a lot to help, you know, we always get a part of early adopter programs for new features because we want them before our competitors. We're always um, you know, do they're always assisting with the trainings, right? So they help run a lot of trainings. They're always wow. looping me into what's going on. I've kind of octopused my way into all the orgs and vendors I work with because I'm, you know, I want to know everyone from the top to the bottom, right? So I, I've met with the CMO of both Demand-based and tech target, had one-on-ones with them, told them about my program, asked them for feedback, asked them for extra eyes, extra support right? A fresh set of eyes, something new, and they love it because they see I'm engaged. I'm very proactive. I want yeah. to be involved. I always look at their roadmaps and give them feedback on what features I want and how we can kind of take what they're doing and make it specific to Seagate. TechTarget and Demandbase, are, are competitors So you know, dependent on like how much budget you have. But luckily right. enough, we're an enterprise. We have a bit more budget than most. I get to have both the platforms and I have to make them play nice.
0: that's that's awesome yeah all right so yeah um another word i I think i'm gonna throw in there is you know being resourceful is critical so 100
1: percent It's difficult if you're a startup because you have a small budget and when you give a small budget to a vendor you're going to get their c squad you're not going to get the a squad you're not going to get the support you need and then you kind of get screwed over and it's happened to me i've been burned by vendors in the past you know so Mm -hmm. i'll say to be honest with you like being at a large enterprise having the support of a team and a large budget is super effective and super important versus if you're a startup or you have a small budget you're going to get the cookie cutter template version and not really the support you need to scale and that's why i would say a lot of abm programs fail
0: and that's a poor like you know, come back go, goes back to what you earlier said that education, because some people are you know certainly setting away. and then what in my experience, and uh, some of the sales members just don't get ABM. They don't understand what marketing is doing. And mm. uh, in one specific example, I was working on a one on one ABM programs, and the uh, sales is looking at short-term immediate opportunities. And ended up they want to dictate the resource, you know, pushing across to support those activities. And one example, we ended up wrote a PR for the, the client they were targeting. And really, there is not a lot of a tangible um, outcome for the vendor. But, you know, this particular client, uh, they, they basically want to help this client um, in order to kind of maintain the relationship. Does that make sense? And yeah. So, so with that education, um, sometimes it can be it t- You know, is it pretty time consuming, and you know, it takes a lot of effort. Um, in your experience, you know, can you share with us? You know, um, ha- how long you know that kind of process would take, and uh, what what are some of the tips? You know, you would um, you can share with our listeners that you would adopt a certain practice and to really you know uh, educate. Ah, uh, certain members in, in the team, they're just not quite, quite there yet. Quite, they don't get you know what we're trying to achieve uh, for those through the ABM program.
1: That's a great question. I would say it would take anywhere between three to six months to really train and onboard someone in a platform where they feel comfortable enough to start showing results. Right. Um, and to be honest with you i think you have to meet sales where they are right they don't want to be in six different platforms toggling in between tabs they want to be in one spot so we keep them in salesforce we integrate right. all our platforms with salesforce so there's an iframe in salesforce for demand base and for tech target i actually worked with our marketing operations team to build a dashboard in salesforce that pulls in intent data for the okay. sales team so it's all there for them so again you're going kind of have to meet them where they are and just constantly give them reencouragement and say like, Hey, I built this for you, please use it. And a lot of times the ones that are always saying, Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'll run a platform usage report and see that they've never even logged in. So yeah. you know, I'm prepared with the, with the receipts, we'll do one-on-one live trainings. We'll do group trainings. I record trainings, put them in sales hood for newer reps to watch. I always say, before you come to a training, before you come to me with a problem, have you done the, the recorded trainings? Have you logged into the platform? And yeah. it's usually like, the ones who are crushing it have the highest usage in the platform. And the ones that are saying they don't get it have never logged in. So you, yeah. know, you have to compare it with the receipts because the finger pointing game, that's never going to end. And yeah. that's just how some people are. But you always have to be resilient and resourceful and approachable. If you want to talk, let's talk, ABM. One of the reps said, I just need you to get on the phone with me. And I said, sure, let's do it right now. Let's get on the phone. And she yes. is now the top performing user in the platform because she wants to do well. I want her to do well. We want to do well together and we want to succeed for the company. So I will train anyone all day, every day in how to prospect diligently and increase their outbound activity.
0: <laughs> now, everything you said that just rings a bell with me because uh, um 15 years ago when I was at the Lexmark, and uh, that was exactly the same, you know, uh, I was growing our uh, marketing automations and trying to implement an ABM program that I didn't even know that's an ABM back then. And there's no platform such as demand base And so the, the thing that uh, really helped that particular program um, become really successful, we ended up um, close to $5 million sale. And uh, um, it was uh, really that initial stage. I, I booked all the one-on-one meetings with like, my sales colleagues and sit down to really understand their business portfolios and their challenges and their expectations out of, you know, this program. And so, you know, through that dialogue, I really set a lot of uh, um, understanding, mutual understanding, um, and also helped me to go back, you know, um, to really uh, address their business challenges and then build that into the program. As well, so that initial alignment piece, I think, was absolutely crucial. Just you know, one hundred percent like what you just uh, mentioned. So um, yeah, you know, like as you, as we all know, like um, first step for ABN is really about setting goals and then assembling. Um, I have already done two podcasts on sales marketing alignment. In fact, I'm going to bring another expert um, because it's such a big topic, and then there's still so many problems in that alignment piece. And uh, the next podcast, I'm actually bringing someone who actually can tangibly help um, with, you know, um, uh, tangible action, helping company to, you know, putting the action to really align the teams. Um, So, you know, in terms of the challenges that, you know, uh, when it comes to ABN, um, can you dive a little bit uh, further on that part of the process, you know? Um, Did you encounter any um, challenges, you know, during that alignment piece, assembling a team? And what are some of the critical steps that you took to ensure that your program was successful?
1: Sure. So I think diving deeper just into the everyday challenges, it could be anything from just someone not understanding it or just issues with the platform. One time the payment was late, the platform shut down for two weeks. It could be a little bit of anything really. And I, I think For me to really focus in on what the challenges would be not at the current, my current role, but in previous roles, I would say it's just open and honest dialogue with leadership and trying to make sure they understand what we're doing and how we're doing it. So you just have to be prepared and resilient and really just hone in and focus on what your goal is. So driving the pipe booking meetings. How can I do that smarter, better, faster, stronger? How can I help other people do that better? And I think you can't take anything personal. Don't right. think anything personally when it comes to work. You know. Yeah. So I would say to any young marketer out there who might be struggling in their current role or feel a bit lost to just keep going and keep pushing yourself because at the end of the day, it's not your forever. Right. you know, right. and there's yeah. so much more out there. And if you stay strong and resilient and driven and passionate and focused in what you care about, then you'll yep. get to where you want to be. think at the yeah, end of the day, people need support and need help. And, and that's fine to ask. You know, I always call my dad whenever I'm feeling a little down and he's my greatest champion. Um, But yeah, it can be disheartening when you're young and you're a little bit lost in your life or your career. And you're like, what do I do? And You want to be successful at the beginning, but sometimes your biggest learnings come from your biggest failures, taking that risk, taking that jump. I was always in this tech space and then I went to a startup that was really focused on legal and I was like, I'll try this. It wasn't for me and that's fine. And I'm happy I I had that experience because it it prepared me so well for this role I took on now because I was like, I am so buttoned up that nothing's falling through the cracks. You know, when you work with all lawyers... You
0: go a little stir crazy. absolutely. No, yeah, Um, yeah, hundred percent. And actually, just reminded me the one um, is a different kind of project I was uh, working on. It it is actually a same program and a Lexmark rollout for the ABM program. Um, And one tip I can give to our listeners is actually I um, basically buddy out with uh, sales who truly get. Uh, the benefit of what I'm trying to do. And uh, um, so I was building a use case basically with this champion. And uh, so we are, but it's almost like a test campaign. and then, you know, but really my goal, not only is to get a revenue result, but also, you know, use as a use case internally to show other enterprise uh, BDM that, hey, you know, um, this is what I have done, you know, successfully for David and I, we can absolutely replicate that for your portfolio as well. And that was really well.
1: In every team, we have a, a power user, PDT power user, SDR sales power users, and all the platforms. We train them. They're obviously our top performers, and then great use case. You're like, look at you know X Y Z. They're doing great. You can do it just like they're doing it. And so I always put, I always buddy up the top performers with the low performers. Let's share each other's secrets because we all want to do well. So it's what's working yeah. for you explain your process to this person that way we can again build out and hone and strengthen our overarching process tips and tricks everyone i know everyone wants to do well and sometimes i want to keep it close to the chest but we all cross the finish line together as a team right so you have to be open and honest and and help and support each other because if one person is crushing and everyone else isn't that's not really a team right (laughs)
0: a hundred percent. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. No, and that sense of achievements, you know, um, come with the um, winning together. I think it was just, you know, the adrenaline is, uh, well, at least I feel that that way back then when I was in enterprise, it was just incredible. And it pushes, you know, um, it it builds the team even stronger, right? As a result of that.
1: Add incentives. If you can incentivize usage, that's also super important. So gamification is huge, I would say. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, exactly. So, um, yeah, earlier mentioned that uh, I delivered that program um, ABM back 15 years ago and that there was uh, no such a turn as uh, ABM. It was just, you know, internally, it makes sense to us. And so what we did was we sponsored the, um, in, if you remember those, you know, like one-on-one, like it's almost like a speed dating type of summit. And so, you know, you get pre-qualifications through some survey, So um, the clients will list out their priority and then, you know, vendor will also list out their priority, who they want to meet. And then there was, you know, survey and that was intelligence that uh, we gather and then we build out uh, the landing pages, you know, tailored for those specific account, laser focus on their top, top priorities, and then, you know, bridging them, bring them back into the, uh, the context of document management, which is, you know, obviously Lexma, what we sell. And then, you know, uh, and facilitate that dialogue. And then we, um, post, you know, even I had like, uh, Darren Mellor going, I was actually literally a bonsai. <laughs> it was a hand deliver bonsai to the cio and every three months i'm sending a trimmer a scissors and so you know incorporate you know like um some of the traditional marketing element not just the digital component and we did it with our system right and uh uh, with you know no demand base or six cents all these cool cool you know intelligent platforms and um, and a lot of the clients that, you know, they're much smaller in, in the B2B space. And they also, you know, tell me, cause I run workshops to tell them, uh, teach them how to do the ABM. Um, they love it, but they said, we can't afford it. You know?
1: Right. <laughs>
0: um, is there any tips that you have for the listener that, you know, if, uh, um, they can't afford such expensive platform.
1: Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that's a great point. I have the luxury, again, of having a larger budget and the ability to buy these platforms and execute at scale. But again, at its very core, ABM is just smarter marketing and sales alignment. It's just like you said, right? doing the research, getting the insights, gathering them, putting together a plan, working with sales to execute it, finding out that someone likes XYZ, whether it's a direct mail, whether it's an email, a LinkedIn email, a phone call, an event, it could really be anything. It's just Again, it's it's smarter marketing. It's not spamming a thousand people with the same email. It's really taking the time and the effort to get to know the person, understand their pain points, and then tailoring something to that effect. You go the extra mile and you really show effort, You know whether it's through a direct mail piece or a message, or they really understand what CK is trying to do, right? That's yeah. what I'm saying. Okay, you're going to help me get to my end goal, reach my internal goal. You know what I'm saying? Reach the company's goal. So I think that's really what it's about. It's just being smarter it's being more strategic yeah and it's about making those dollars work you know we all have i've come from spots where you've got very limited budget and you, you know we're all being asked to do more with less yeah so sell smarter sell strategic sell harder
0: <laughs> yeah No, hundred percent. yeah no um that is amazing dan that you gave us you know just uh inside pack you know through your experiences and some of the roles you, you held uh and your current roles at seagate um, and every podcast, I kind of ask similar questions. And uh, um, so I'm gonna ask you the same question too. And so if you can predict the future, what would you say the next big thing will be in ABM?
1: Oh, if I could predict the future, I'd be retired
0: by now. <laughs> <laughs> you can predict, but not necessarily accurate. <laughs> I will say
1: that AI is just blowing up. AI, of course, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've heard of chat GPT. AI is going to revolutionize everything we do. I mean, from content marketing to outreach. So half, half the time, I don't even know if the person reaching out is a person or a bot anymore, you know, with these, oh. like, these terrible Messaging, yeah. I know, right? So yeah. I think AI will have a huge impact on everything from web personalization to email personalization, right? Yeah, if I was yeah. a sales rep, I would be throwing emails into ChatGPT and saying, "Give me five variations." I would be running my own tests, right. and and I just think it's fascinating. I think that a lot of people, I'm chief evangelist of like ChatGPT. I'm like, "Hey, have you tried it? Have you used it? You got to get on it." And everyone's like, "Oh no, it's not for me." If you don't start using it, you're gonna fall behind, and it's yeah. gonna kind of. Be prerequisite. It's going to be built into a lot of the things we do. Like it's a part of Microsoft. Right? Microsoft is going to plug it into Bing. It's going to yep. plug into meetings. I remember when I was an account manager and I, my role was to book meetings and write agendas and send follow-ups and now AI will listen to the conversation, outline all the next steps, follow-ups, book the follow-up meeting for you. I think that at college, college are going to have to start understanding these softer skills and how to work with AI to enhance the product and even things like when on Google, when you click, when you want to click something, prove you're not a bot and you click the trees or the the lights that right. called, that is created to train AI. So I okay. learned that in a podcast from the CEO of Duolingo. He actually built and sold that to Google Recaptcha because AI has issues actually seeing stoplights and seeing stop oh, signs. Wow. So okay. we're training AI for self-driving cars every time yeah. we're proving we're not a bot. Run. So I do not realize how much it's already been involved in what we're doing. And now that it's more so at the forefront, when I was at b 2 BMX last week, I was surprised because no one was talking about AI because it was like, I think everything was obviously pre-made and built for the conference, but yep. and everyone there was like, we got to get into AI. We got to get, we got to start doing this. It is just the That's hot tough. topic. And so yeah. I was like, I'm imagining in the next few events or areas of focus, we'll all wear on how to use AI to enhance what we're currently doing.
0: No, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, whether we like it or not, it's all coming. <laughs> and um, the smarter ones, yeah. you know, it's about adapting and embracing it, right, to the advantage. AI yeah. yeah, is not about really the goal is not about re- re- replacing human. It's just like you know, uh, the advancement of technology. Yeah. You know, so across the board, it's the same, right? It should be really enhancing what we yeah. do not about, you know, uh, a competition with human, really. And if we do that, then, you know, we're the ones created this monster, right? <laughs> Basically.
1: Exactly. I, I think it should go back to the idea of work smarter not harder, you know, exactly. you these tools, utilize them, yep. let, them yep. let them help you enhance your work. It just makes you a better worker. I think at the end of the day,
0: yeah. Uh, no, a hundred percent. And the application is crazy. Like, I have a 10 year old and uh, she pranked me the other day and um, she used this website and then um, punching in my number. I got a phone call. I was literally chatting with the AI bot for three minutes and this bot was answering me all the questions. I would just like, uh, and then all the sudden, I just like, uh, you know, I don't think this is a human.
1: <laughs> that scares me a bit because I feel like kids today, because they won't have to learn the soft skills that we have learned because they'll grow up with it, they might not be able to fully, you know what I mean? I feel like that's where the issue lies because in the younger generations who didn't have to listen actively and take notes and send follow-ups, they're just so reliant on technology. But, yeah. you know, what if something happens we don't have it anymore? And then they're kind of very paralyzed by the fact that they're so reliant on it. You know, yeah, so that, no, no. that does scare me. The younger generations reliance and t- the obsession with TikTok. And it's crazy to me. Like I see my young cousins or nephews on social media, on screens. I was like, I grew up with books and basketballs and that is what I did. And... Oh,
0: <laughs> it, 100%. It, it, 100%. Yeah, it, this, you know, with technology, has pros and cons, you know, like everything, yeah,
1: right? iPad babies. I see them in the restaurants. If Just leave your kid at home with a sitter. You don't need to bring them with an iPad. It's just not <laughs> helping anyone.
0: <laughs> so very true. And it, it really has come down to us, how we regulate that, right? And yeah. Um, I don't mean it regulate as a legal point of view. You know, it's really regulate ourselves, and you know, um, right. You because the government,
1: I mean, they, like I think, really just too slow to regulate tech, and we've seen that with social media as the first yeah. kind of rise. But the secondary rise will be all these AI companies that there's no way people can even keep up with AI. So it's kind of scary in terms. Oh, of it AI. is
0: scary. I Actually, uh, yeah, I was I was running through my non and running a seminar, and um, it was sponsored by IP Law Firm. And um, I asked the exact questions and cause, you know, some of the AI application is incredible. It's almost like preserve your memory. And um, so, you know, it opens out a whole, you know, can of worms and um, uh, privacies and, you know, intellectual properties and, you know, who really owns that, uh, that content, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We already seen that, you know, artists are suing company, right? Because, you know, yeah. um, some some uh, technology company use those art- artists, their work to train the machine yeah. and right. not really compensating those artists, right? So, yeah, yeah it, it's going to be more complication coming out without a doubt, especially in that, you know, IP laws and privacy area.
1: Five years ago when I worked for Dreamus and we did Intel as our account, one of the main use cases was AI and I love art history. So one of the one of the projects was how we use AI to finish the works of old masters. And I was just livid because I was like, it was unfinished, it's meant to be that way. You can't use a computer to finish this painting. I find beauty in the unfinished works. And Museo yeah. Picasso, I used to live in Barcelona, there's a whole section on his unfinished works and I find them beautiful because you can see the process in which he begins, he stops, he starts again. To finish it is almost just, for me, it's just sacrilegious.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's no longer us, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow, <Yes>. that's crazy. <laughs> um, any last minute remark for our listener? Any tips and um in terms of uh, uh, really trying to build a successful ABM program, optimizing the processes and all that.
1: Well, I would say in my last remarks, I'll just say what I what I like to do listen in podcasts is people always say what they're reading or what they're listening to. So I'll leave the, yeah. the audience with this. I am an avid Tim Ferriss podcast listener, highly recommend. It's the top uh, business podcast in the country. Um, so highly recommend Tim Ferriss podcast and books. Ferriss, I'm, currently okay. reading. Um, I'm reading um, Time Management for Mortals, 40,000 Hours. That's a pretty interesting book, I would say. 40,000 uh, Hours. <laughs> yeah, that's in your lifespan, 40,000 Hours, right? Gotcha. Um, yeah. Technology. It's about the creator of Nike, um, yeah, very interested in all things startups and tech. So I'm reading a few books right now. But yeah, I would definitely recommend everyone to check out the podcast from Tavares because tons of great uh, book and recommendations. And that kind of got me interested in doing things like this, right? So getting on podcasts, getting out there and sharing my skill set with others. So if I can right. do it, you can do it too, right?
0: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. That's great. And uh, if I listen, I'd like to um, get in touch with yourself or you know uh, have any questions are you open to get connected all sure.
1: right yeah feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or you know I'm in San Francisco if you want to meet up for a face-to-face
0: fantastic well thank you so so much Dan uh, for being with us on the show today um, yeah so that concluded our today's discussion on ABN as always thank you to our listener for tuning in I'm your host Eve Chen and this is another episode of Last Tool Revenue Marketing Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our other episodes for even more insights into the world of revenue marketing.